I brought you here because I was looking at a map one day and I was actually investigating canals at the time and I came across a canal I thought what is the point of that canal? It just seemed to scoop out a bit of coastline. It runs from Rye, which is on the coast, uh, cuts off a big sort of corner of Romney Marsh and ends up at Hythe. So I looked into it and I found out it was the Royal Military Canal and it wasn't actually built to be a canal in the conventional sense of taking stuff uh, along it, although that happened later on, but it was built in order to ward against a possible French invasion. Welcome to the Waterfront Podcast, brought to you by the Canal and River Trust and presented by the inimitable David Bramwell. I'm sitting in my car just on the outskirts of Rye with celebrated author Dixie Wills and we're about to head off on a 23-mile trek along a unique canal that runs parallel to the to the south coast. Yes, we are going to start from Iden Lock and we're going to walk um, about 23 miles Fantastic. all the way into Hythe and the sea. And here we are at the lock at the very far um, eastern end of, um, no, western end. <laughs> here we are at the lock at the very far western end of the Royal Military Canal and there is um, a former little barracks uh, building which is still here, it's now a private home. It's a fairly small building, so was this the only barrack that was, that was built or is the one at the, at the other end? You know what, I think we should find out. Should we walk it? <laughs> yeah. Well, those pheasants. Is it one of a kind, this military canal? Uh, in Britain, it is. Yeah. yeah, certainly. There are other um, military barriers that have been put up, obviously. There's Hadrian's Wall um, and Offa's Dyke, and north of Hadrian's Wall, you've got the Antonine Wall. But yes, this is the only canal that was ever dug specifically as a defensive military feature. The first sod was dug um, in 1804, the 30th of October, for those taking notes, uh, at Seabrook, which is the Hythe end. And after many trials and tribulations, it took them about four years to build. Ultimately, it was seen as a folly, the building of this. Is that right? Yes. Um, it was, I have to say, it gets a slightly bad press. There are lots of advantages to it. It managed to drain a lot of Romney Marsh, which was prone to uh, terrible, terrible floods. And so it actually serves a civilian purpose in that it, it drained it and in summer as well it acted as a reservoir. Um, so that was actually very useful. But yes, it did never get used because it was built um, at a time when the French had declared war on England. Uh, we were expecting Napoleon to come over. There was the, uh, the peace treaty at uh, Amiens, which was signed and everyone thought, yay, we're okay again. But then the French declared war on us again. And it was at that point that the canal was dug because this was seen as the most likely place where the French would come yeah. uh, and invade because there are no cliffs here, unlike most of the, west, the rest of uh, Southern England. But of course they didn't. And so as soon as you get uh, a military feature, which in fact never gets used, people will then look on it as a folly. But 
it served its purpose, you could say, because maybe Napoleon thought, well, I can't go there, that's making it all a bit difficult, and yeah, maybe I'll leave it for another year. In fact, actually, as we've reached this point, um, you'll notice uh, one of the um, seminal features, you could say, of the canal. Uh, we're coming up to a kink here where the canal goes left for about, what's that, 50 yards, and then suddenly right again. Now, on a normal canal, obviously, you, you want it as straight as possible. Yeah. But on, on these ones, it's been built specifically so that, in fact, you can get enfilading fire down um, every part of the, the canal. So again, Enfilading fire, can you explain that? Yeah, blooming enfilading fire. Do you not speak of so much <laughs> enfilading <laughs> fire in Brighton? Anyway, if you just have a straight canal and you are defending it, then you can just fire across it perpendicularly. But if you have a kink in it, it means you can get to the outside of that corner of the kink, you're still on your side of the canal, but you can fire along the length of the canal. So anyone trying to cross the canal would have people defending them and shooting into them along the length of the canal, making it three times more difficult than if you just had a straight canal. And so all the way along the length of this canal, every mile or so, you get that kink, and so people would be able to fire down the length of it. Now that pheasant there is running along the top of the bank and it's very easy to see this defensive bank that they built up here and you can gauge from this roughly the depth of the canal because uh, this bank is about three meters high, the canal's about three meters deep and this was uh, right along the whole length of the canal. There was this defensive bank, so the uh, defending troops could all sneak up behind there and then shoot over the top of it. Um, and interestingly, at this little section here at Appledore, uh, we've got a much more modern piece of defensive work here. Uh, there's a, one of those rather unpleasant uh, concrete, uh, oh dear, what do you call them? Pillboxes, that's the word I want. Uh, we had these pillboxes along from which you could strafe uh, the whole flat countryside from these openings here. Whereas with the Royal Military Canal, they would have uh, lain on top of the, or very close to the top of the bank, and just shot over and would have been very hard to, uh, to get at had Napoleon actually come across. It's quite hard going here. That rustling that you're hearing there is us walking on some dead reeds that have all been way piled up here and laying down. So presumably, ah oh yes, you can see why now. Uh, there's obviously been a machine come along has cut all the reeds down yeah. and they've hauled them out onto the bank and just laying them out. Uh, again, actually very good for wildlife because you will get voles and mice and whatever living um, in nests that they all have built <laughs> we've just stomped over um, and then you'll get the kestrels and the buzzards and the 
uh, owls and other birds that then feed on um, those mice and voles. Now, see, the interesting thing here is that basically on the north side, they had an embankment, and the idea was that they would, uh, the defending uh, English, would be able to rush their soldiers up to this embankment and they could remain hidden from the enemy uh, and their, their um, armory uh, whilst defending the very, very wide canal. I mean, that's the first thing you notice uh, when you come here. It's enormously wide. Uh, and you think, oh, why would you need one quite so wide? The whole idea originally was that it was going to be about 19 meters wide. It was a, a massive... <laughs> Interestingly, the uh, towpath here is, uh, is a little rutted. They were going to have a 19 um, meter wide canal, uh, which would have been a formidable barrier to cross. But uh, they very quickly said, oh, that's going to cost us an arm and a leg. Uh, it was fantastically expensive as, uh, as it was. But um, so they decided, no, we'll just have half of that. And it's only about three metres deep. And I say only, but again, that is quite deep for a canal. Yeah. Would have been a, a very difficult prospect for Napoleon's army to, to cross. Yeah. Yeah. How much did it cost then, back then? And what would that be equivalent to today? Uh, cost about £200,000, uh, which is equivalent to nineteen zillion pounds. Nineteen <laughs> zillion. No. So we've just stopped for lunch, very nice lunch of um, Welsh rarebit and baked beans on toast yum, yum. at uh, Appledore. This is the only village, is it, that the, that the canal goes through? Yes, but we can tell from the age of the houses that the village was already there by the time the uh, Royal Military Canal went through it. And presumably they, they put it there because it's very useful. You can house some of your navvies or whatever there when they're not in camps further on down the... Um, canal and they can just pop out in the morning, have a bit of a dig, uh, go home late at night, be paid a, a farthing or something for their troubles. Yeah. Should we, uh, we continue along here then? Yeah, let's do it. So we're we're into Hythe now. We're, we've, we've been walking through Hythe for quite some time. We're very close to the end here, just a few hundred yards away. You can see why they didn't have to take it on any further because suddenly we've got hills. Yeah. And that's a natural barrier. And so they thought, right, as long as we cut off this 28 miles, the French are, are going to have to pick somewhere else to get up. And wherever they pick, they're going to have to come across some sort of barrier that we can defend. I'm getting a sense that, well, I can see the end of the canal ahead of it. It's kind of weird getting to the end of a canal. It's like getting yes. to the end of a road and the road just not going anywhere. It's a strange experience. Yes, because canals usually will link a river uh, to something. And this one obviously does link up with the River Rother. But at this end, it very nearly goes into the sea. 
but not quite. Uh, so they, I suppose they had to bung up the little bit between the sea and the canal, but they could do that with anything. Obviously, they couldn't run it right into the sea uh, because otherwise all the water would come out. Uh, <laughs> It's just a, a pro tip there if you're thinking of building your own canal at home. Uh, but the great thing is we are now literally 150 yards from the end and we still can't see the sea. We're yeah. walking pretty much parallel to the sea now and in a moment it's going to turn right which is turning towards the sea and I'm hoping by then uh, we will actually see it. I've well, never seen the sea before, I'm quite excited, <laughs> I tell you. It's uh, very watery. So here we are, we're at, the, we're at the end of the canal. There's a canoe there for someone to use and some uh, marauding mallard ducks. Oh, and there's a kingfisher! kingfisher. Hey. Good spot! We were quite excited by that. Look at that, the kingfisher yeah. just swept across the canal and has just hidden itself uh, in the trees, a uh, willow on the far We've side. We've been walking for 23 miles and <laughs> right at the end we see a kingfisher. And here we are. Hey. Come up some steps finally at the end and there's the sea. Come on, I'll race you in. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> a day out with Dixie Wills is always a treat. To find out more about him and his books, visit DixieWills.com. It's probably worth clarifying that the Royal Military Canal runs parallel to the Kent coastline and makes for a great day out for cyclists, walkers and canoeists. And while this unique canal is managed by the Environment Agency, the Canal and River Trust play their part through a project called Heritage Heroes. A collaboration with Help for Heroes, it supports wounded servicemen and women and veterans find opportunities to gain new skills and qualifications through heritage repairs and canal restorations, thanks to £500,000 funding from players of People's Postcode Lottery. Hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll be... Oh, hello, it's the post. A cassette? Ah, this can mean only one thing. Another wonderful watery fact from Sheffield's very own John Shuttleworth. Let's see what he's got for us this time. The Barton Aqueduct on the Bridgewater Canal was the first navigable aqueduct ever built in England and was mockingly nicknamed Brindley's Castle in the Air. What material did James Brindley use to build a model of it and thus silence his critics? Was it A, cork, B, clay, or C, cheese? Hmm. Uh, I think it was cork, so it would float. No, Ken. No, uh, clay. No, I'm afraid, Ken, it was C, cheese. Really? Oh, what type of cheese? No idea, can't help you there. Stilton, surely. Because an aqueduct is, you know, it's on stilts. Stilton. Oh, very good, Ken. Or possibly Edam, because, you know, it goes across a dam. Edam. Get it? No, my cheese was better, John. Oh. This Waterfront podcast was produced by David Bramwell with music by Oddfellows Casino. It was a Smoke Creatives production for the Canal and River Trust. If you like the Waterfront podcast, please leave a review for us on iTunes. Winding through 2,000 miles of beautiful countryside and vibrant cities, our unique network of canals and rivers offer vital havens for people and nature alike. Because everyone deserves a place to escape. 
visit canalrivertrust.org.uk forward slash friend to become a friend of the Trust and receive a wealth of benefits, discounts and the beautifully produced Waterfront magazine.